0: Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 41. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my resourceful, wise, and rational guest co-host, Brett Stillo. Welcome, Brett.
1: Wow, you don't know me at all. Those are nice. <laughs> Thanks for the compliments, but uh, definitely not resourceful, definitely not wise. I have one good idea a year.
0: That's a pretty and good rate. That's a pretty okay. good rate. Okay. Well, all right, then I am resourceful. Go.
1: Yeah. I am resourceful. I'll take it then. Uh, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. It's been a fun, uh, fun. little. I'm still I think I'm fighting something off. My voice is a little lower than usual, so I've got kind of my movie announcer movie trailer voice happening these days, like my voice is usually a little higher. When you it's... When, you hear, when you hear previous minutes, you'll uh you'll be like, "Oh, wow, his voice was super low for our minutes."
1: So. It's okay. You're, you're sounding good. You're sounding good, and I, and I have to say, my my stay here has been great. You know, yeah. You, you wouldn't expect the accommodations at the game grid to be so nice, but they're they're wonderful. You know, my cell is is uh, is is quite nice, and I've been I'm enjoying my stay here on the grid. So it's I'm getting, all good.
0: getting uh, regular energy servings. You know, yeah. my, my, I've got a good healthy glow. You
1: yeah, know, it's, uh, yeah. It's,
0: it's going it's going really well. Yeah, I'm all resed up and ready to go and, <laughs> and ready to play some hyperball. Let's do it. All right, so let's see what happens in this minute. Flynn and Crom fight in the ring arena and Flynn gains the, Flynn gains the upper hand. So uh, finishing off the line from earlier, Ram finishes his line. There's something different about him. And we cut back to the battle in progress. And I like that Ram is all, there's something different about him. You know, he's kind of, He's like he's a little dreamy, you know, like he's like those eyes and he smells nice. He's so funny. You know, <laughs> there's something like there's a there's a connection there. I think Ram seems to really, really like, uh, really like what's going on with Flynn, which is cool. Yeah. I like Ram. I think Ram. I wish they'd done a bit more with Ram. I really like him as a character. I thought he had a, a nice sort of counterpoint to Flynn because he's got the same kind of happy go lucky attitude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a I, little, you know, it's a little a little more sad, but
1: Yeah. You know, I I could see maybe in an earlier draft that, you know, Ram gets it. You know, he's, you know, he's from the other side. He is the chosen one. Yeah. And you know, Tron being Tron's... Yeah. Right sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that's it. There is no other world. You know, you're just like doubting it. It's uh, you know, you could, you know, this movie could have been a, written a little more from Ram's point of view. He's like, for sure. you know, he's like every man program. He's, and, yeah, uh, he's kind of
0: caught up in it. Cause he's, sh- I mean, he's sharing a cell with Tron and Flynn. Yeah. Right. The two most, the hugest players in this entire movie. And he's like along for the ride. He's like, Hey guys, <laughs> you know, exactly, so it could have been, yeah. Like, yeah, he could have been told through his eyes for sure. Yeah.
1: And I got, I got to give a quick shout out to Dan Shore. Who yeah. uh you know has a huge, huge IMDB list, quite a career. Did not uh recognize him um till I looked him up. It's like, oh, it's he's that guy, and he's that guy, and he's that yeah. guy. Yeah. And uh, it's it's always funny. You've probably had this experience, is a movie you watch as a kid. Yeah. And you remember the character and you go, Oh, that was neat. And then, you know, as an adult, you go back, you look at the movie, and um, you go, oh, uh, you know, quick example Blade Runner. Uh, it was quite a while before I realized uh, that was Edward James Olamos. Sure, yeah. And you kind of have that, you know, a little bit of a light bulb goes off. You go, oh, is that guy? That guy. He's that guy. And, uh,. Yeah, excellent casting. Also, I didn't realize uh, the Wizard of Oz aspect that, um, you know, Dan Shore is also in the real world as an NCOM guy.
0: That's right. Yeah, he's a cubicle uh, neighbor to uh, to Alan Bradley in the real world.
1: Yeah, I don't think I ever picked up on that until I was, you know, until now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just like, hey, can I have some of your popcorn? (laughs) (laughs) And that's it, right? So. He's a he's a he's I like him. I think he's a good character. He also played Billy the Kid and uh Bill and Ted's Big Adventure. Or, right. Or, yeah, and a, yeah, a, Excellent. Geez, I can't believe yeah. I called it the, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. How dare I? That's yeah, that's he, okay. That's yeah, okay. He,
1: we're not we're yeah. not keeping score. No, we're not keeping um, score. Um and it's and it's funny because he would have been a very uh older Billy the Kid at that point. Yeah, <laughs> I was,
0: suppose so cuz that was what 2 or 3 years after Tron, I think, so
1: eh, it was yeah. a little later than that I mean, five yeah. or six maybe but yeah. uh but a testament I guess to Dan Shore's boyish good looks
0: yeah yeah he's always got that kind of that joie de vivre imprinted on his face he's got this yeah this youth, youth youthful naivete even even at even in old age yeah
1: exactly
0: So we cut back to the ring game after he says that. And then in the creator commentary, Steven Lisberger said that these 65 millimeter cameras that they decided to use, that they filmed with, were huge and heavy. And they needed a ton of light to work with such large film. And if you're filming in the desert for like Lawrence of Arabia or something like that, then that's not a problem because you've got the sun you've got these big wide vistas but if you're filming indoor on a black set right and that's real challenging to get enough light into the camera when you've just got these black rooms and you've got these you know white characters that you're trying your hardest to light as much as you can without lighting the background i was like that's a huge challenge. Every shot must have been a really huge challenge to get some some clear clear images out of uh, out of what happened on the back yeah. end. I whenever yeah. I do a deep dive on a movie there's all these practicalities because I know a bit about filming but I don't know a lot about right. the actual practicalities of 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 you know filming and f-stops and probably throughout this entire podcast I've been saying I don't I don't really actually know what an f-stop is. I just constantly bring it up as a term. <laughs> So there's probably uh photographers out there listening to this going like what are you talking about <laughs> you know but but that's uh but that's something that you know whenever I'm like wow this a lot goes in a lot of like a lot of math a lot of practical stuff goes into yeah. every shot that it's just way more than just pointing the camera at it and yeah. you know my hat, my hat's off to all the dop's out there cuz that's a, a complicated job and a somewhat thankless job I think unless your film gets an oscar then you know, it's one of those jobs that I think if you do your job right, no one really notices, except us
1: movie nerds.
0: Except us movie nerds,
1: because, uh, yeah that that's that's kind of my my unspoken secret test when I'm talking to another movie nerd and I kind of want to you know want to test him out a little bit is you say, um, I don't know, you might say you know Dean Cundy. and yeah. You know, See what they come back with. You know, do you know that it's, it's because most people, uh, it's interesting. I think most people, when they see a great shot, they think that it's the director and it's no, that's, uh, you know, that's probably a team that's, you know, the DP and, um, you know, a couple of guys working directly with the lights, you know, some electricians, um, and i'm doing terribly today i'm i'm blanking on on some of the the names of some of the great dp's uh, after saying yeah that's that's how we test each other <laughs> yeah. uh roger deacons there i did it you know roger deacons there you go roger deacons and uh yeah you and i just did that we did you know that's when you when you say the name of of a dp it's like say no more
0: yeah 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 but okay. uh but
1: just just i'm going to i'm going to do one more Gonna just do one more. It's, all right. it's, it's kinda like a mic drop. You just say Conrad Hall, and then you walk back.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know?
1: Uh but you know, uh let's but let's let's do a quick shout out to Bruce Logan, a, a not super well known DP, but a guy who had a huge task on this movie with those sixty five millimeter cameras and yeah. all these process shots and uh doing things that had not been done before
0: (laughs) yeah yeah they invented a ton of stuff so yeah all right so we we cut back to the game in progress and crom gives a wicked backhand up to the ceiling and it comes smashing down at flynn who goes into a sliding crouch to catch it and then he two hands it back up to the ceiling and it bounces off and down to crom who badly misjudges his leap and the ball strikes his platform and uh takes out one of his rings now we get a strange continuity error here there are six concentric rings on each platform that disappear if they're hit seven if you include the bullseye in the middle and this energy ball hits ring three but then it cuts immediately to crom rolling almost to the edge of a disappeared final ring on like the outer ring of his platform and that's Whoops. the ring that was still it was still there in his previous shot so there's a couple of and there's a, I think that's the only sort of continuity thing in this in this shot, where I'm like, oh, yeah. I think they, when they edited this battle, there was a a shot that was uh, a, a ring impact that was maybe cut out or something like that, or maybe they just when they were developing all the all the yeah, because it was just he was just rolling around on a black box, <laughs> so they yeah. probably one of the rings has disappeared. Okay, which one? I don't know. All right, well, I'm starting. I'm starting the yeah. shot.
1: I mean, it's it it is a great little action sequence
0: wonderful and, it's fantastic
1: yeah and you know add to the fact that it's three-dimensional you have them shot at different angles um you know it just it's 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 all over the place so you know you can see where uh I, and actually uh duncan here's a question for you have, uh have you ever seen storyboards for
0: this movie yeah. oh to this movie i think i've seen a couple in my research yeah
1: yeah, because I, I can't imagine doing this movie without storyboards. No, they needed to
0: be pretty heavily storyboarded, I'd imagine.
1: And, you know, again, you know, with the, you know, the practical shooting and then the post-production and, you know, the various, you know, conundrums that must have come up. Yeah, you can kind of see where, oh, yeah, let's let's just use, uh you know, here let's use, you know, 41B take four and we'll cut to there and uh yeah you know it's you know filmmaking isn't it, i i often think of filmmaking as you're not putting a jigsaw puzzle together you're actually designing the jigsaw puzzle then
0: you know cutting the pieces <laughs> well yeah like i've heard uh yeah i've heard a term for in game design a similar thing where they say making a game is like building a plane during takeoff yeah You know, and I think there's probably a very similar feeling on making a movie where you're, like, figuring out how to put this whole thing together and designing it as you're putting it together and as you're making it. And it's a strange, you know, by the time you finish the film, now you know how to make the film. Yeah. But you've already made it, unfortunately. You know, like, it's got to be a very strange, uh, a very strange process. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. There's a good, Um, uh,
0: like... What happens? Crom scrambles to his feet. Flynn gets an energy pellet dropped into his Sesta, and he's got the he's got the power now. And he takes his time walking around. Then he lets out a really good Jeff Bridges. Okay, yeah. Like, he's like, I'm on to it now. I know what's going on. Yeah. Is that? Are you? A, uh, is this where he says? I a, uh, a,
1: a, a might be jumping ahead, but you know, here's an easy one
0: uh yeah that's uh that's later that's later on. okay
1: okay so let's not let's not get too ahead but yeah it's again part of what makes this sequence work is oh that is
0: yeah that is in this minute yeah sorry that is in this
1: minute okay yeah but it's uh i didn't want to jump too far ahead but it's yeah it's bridges casual demeanor yeah um you know th- this could be two guys playing racquetball which was such a big sport back then yeah um you know, it's it's uh, you know, Bridges brings a little bit of a California surfer. Definitely. to Kevin Flynn. Definitely, maybe Kevin Flynn was a surfer, but you know, is that hey? All right, <laughs> all right,
0: good um, shot, bro. Good shot, bro.
1: Right? Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe uh, Jeff was, you know, perhaps you know, slightly, slightly dosed here. I don't know, maybe, maybe, but a little bit, uh, a little bit. it yeah it it adds to the you know we have we have Crom who's got one goal and we have Flynn who has another goal
0: Yeah well they talk a lot uh in the la- in the last minute and a couple minutes ago, Jeff bridge's body double uh, has been his body double for uh since the last picture show in 1970 and he's still Jeff Bridge's body double today and he's this stoic Texan. He's a very sort of man-of-few-words, laid-back Texan. And they say that because Jeff Bridges and him have spent so much time together that Jeff Bridges, over the years, has sort of transitioned from a surfer dude over to more of a Texan, an old stoic Texan. They say that they've spent so much time together that this uh, his body doubles personality is rubbed off on him so in this film you can really see the surfer aspect you know you can really sort of see that california that california surfer guy kind of uh kind of feel to his motions and the and the way he speaks so this I, is at, I, the, at the beginning
1: that's very interesting i didn't know about you know i was jeff bridges body double or i am jeff bridges body double i yeah i i, I think i'm a little disappointed to know that you know he might have had a or no, this you know a body double is different from a stunt man. So, yeah, a
0: body double. A body double is just the guy that is stands in the scene while the yeah while the lighting guys figure out what the angles are going to work like and, and how he's going to be lit. And then they like, okay, yeah. Jeff, we're going to roll. So then he comes on. So that's what this guy's been doing for the last uh, geez, almost forty years, I guess.
1: Yeah, and that means that this you know laconic Texan also had to wear uh, a Tron costume.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's in the lineup right next to uh, right next to Flynn when they're listening to Sark talk about the training and the punishments that they can expect Ah, if they lose their identity disc or whatever. Yeah, he's like standing right next to him, so he gets he gets Uh, thrown the occasional line and stuff like that. Okay, I gotta look this guy up
1: because I imagine he's in True Grit and uh, you know maybe shows up in Lebowski and so many other great movies. But that's uh, right. That's right. Jeff Bridges' body double. You learn. See, you
0: learn something new learn on something these podcasts. New. Well, that's They're the thing about doing these deep dives. Like, I keep talking about... <laughs> the fear is that you're going to do a deep dive on a movie that falls apart in your hands as you're examining it. You're like, oh, this is actually not that great of a movie. Or all of it was done by luck and happenstance, and it was kind of a lightning in a bottle, and it wasn't really the skill of the people involved it all just kind of accidentally happened and it'd be too bad to find that out you know but the deeper I go into Tron the more I'm just like wow this film is amazing from start to finish and a lot of really talented people were involved and it was oh, all by de- it was all by design like you know, they, they invented a lot of stuff and they came up with a lot of stuff but it's from start to finish it's a it's an effort a real effort a skilled effort of love
1: yeah yeah, and it's, you know, and what, one thing I've found, you know, in some of my deep dives is, uh, it, it, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, there are these happy accidents that occur, but it's usually because, uh, there is a tight schedule and a, and a vision and a plan and there's room for, you know, oh, hey, that was good. Let's leave that in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we mentioned the, you know, the, the, when, you know, because of film stock, the, the different light, you know, patterns. And that's, you know, I mean, that, that to me adds to the movie. Definitely. But, you know, there was, there was nothing in a pre-production note. Hey, could we mix up the film stock? Yeah. (laughs) Can we get the crates mixed up? Uh, But I think if you, if you got a good production and if you got a vision of where you want the movie to go, then, when those things come up, it's you know, it's it's less out of necessity; it's more like uh, it's 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 choice, or uh, yeah, or, the, yeah. I, or you know, it's uh, again, it's a a happy accident.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in this scene, one thing I really like is the footsteps because there's not a lot of music. There's music for the intro. There's the military snare drum for the intro, and there's a military snare drum for the end. But during the fight, they're just walking around. And yeah. hucking the, Huck the energy ball, and they're walking around, and the the footsteps are all totally flanged and flattened, kind of like yeah. you're listening to them through like a long plastic tube or something. That was uh, Mike Minkler doing the sound mixing there, that, or that's what the the sound designer Frank Serafine said that Mike Minkler did a lot of really good stuff like this in the movie.
1: Frank Serafine, I've I've heard of, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: not a don't know a lot, but I mean this is that brings up, I mean this is the era of the beginning of the sound designer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: you know, it's, it's a, it's very interesting. You know, you get these guys who, you know, it's, it's where rock and roll and cinema, uh, have this brief union that, you know, you get guys who maybe worked in the recording industry and, and then they just, Oh, you, you know, can you help with movies in some way? And, uh, you know, they, it's it's definitely a changing of the guard. It's new blood. It's less about, oh yeah, let's just go to the sound library. Uh, here's here's gunshot seventy five B. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And you can and- hear that in the in the beginning of the movie when Bruce Boxleitner's walking into uh, Ed Dillinger's office, like his footsteps walking down the marble hallway to the big desk. It's just footstep number twenty five. It is like you've heard it in every single detective movie <laughs> for the last 30 years and you're like there's that ah oh, there's that footstep that like we don't hear anymore but
1: Yeah yeah it's but. it's the Wilhelm step
0: <laughs> It's the Wilhelm step. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, but that's uh, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting it's a it's a it's a side note but Cindy Morgan Her father was a sound designer. Cindy Morgan plays uh, Yori and Dr. Laura Baines. Her father was a sound designer or a sound sound technician. And so that's what she wanted to do. And she went to school for it. And then uh, she's like, oh, maybe I could make some money doing some modeling and acting. And ended up going and being in Caddyshack and then being in this. And uh, I think she was in one or two other movies, but she didn't really do too many movies. But the ones that she did for really big really, really big movies really good yeah movies. yeah
1: yeah absolutely absolutely you know it's funny yeah because I, I I caught up with well I didn't actually meet Cindy but I you know I kind of caught up on what she's been doing and she, yeah she's now doing a lot of voiceover work
0: yeah yeah
1: so uh, and that that brings up a trivia question uh-huh. um that I don't know if it's come up on the show but uh, yet but how about bring them back alive has bring that him back come alive?
0: Up? that hasn't yet that rings a bell though what what's uh what's that one what's that about you
1: yeah uh, you may recall from your childhood uh in the fall of 1982 uh Bruce Boxleitner and Cindy Morgan were reteamed in an action adventure series called Bring 'em Back Alive it only oh, no lasted way. one season yeah you, i don't know if you could find complete episodes on youtube it was uh you know you you got to love tv from this era uh, you'd have the hit movie, and then within a year, you'd have the TV show trying to uh, imitate the hit movie. You know, classic example Battlestar Galactica. Not yeah. quite sure what movie they were trying to, to emulate there, but uh, yeah, so Raiders of the Lost Ark, summer blockbuster of '81. In '82, you have a couple of TV shows that are just trying to do, like, hey, how'd you like to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark every week? And one of those shows was Bring Them Back Alive, where uh, a mustachioed Bruce Boxleitner plays uh, tough guy adventurer Frank Buck. Oh, no way. Frank Buck. Awesome. Frank Buck. He plays Frank Buck. uh, It's like uh,
0: him and and Jack Burton are sharing a a truck together or something like that. Absolutely. What?
1: Jack yeah, Frank Burton, and this is Frank Buck. Yeah, and have a glass of push-ups, sure. <laughs> and uh, Sidney Morgan is his uh, is his co-star in that. I'm going to have to, have to yeah.
0: look some of this up on YouTube. Yeah, so if I can yeah. Find yeah. Some. and
1: it's, again, it ha- it's that same year, so you don't know if, uh, I don't know who did the casting, but there may have been a casting connection, or it could have just been, you know... Uh, I don't know, Bruce gets hired and he says, oh, you know, I just worked with Cindy Morgan. She's great, or yeah, what the connection know. is. But, uh, yeah, they they were reteamed for for, uh, I think the show lasted about 18 episodes. Uh, and it has, uh, has a great little opening theme by, I believe, Arthur Rubenstein. Awesome. And uh, definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah, if I you're a Tron
1: out. fan, it's like, yeah, some trivia there. Bring them Bring back, back alive. Alive. Bruce Boxleitner and a hit and a pith helmet. That's and, fantastic. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's set in the '30s, uh, but it's got a TV show budget, so it just uh, right. You you can see where they're uh, where they're skimping here and there. And, oh, oh no, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron Superfly O'Neill is in the cast as a, oh, okay. like a a crown prince of a of a small country, or he's a <laughs> you know, it's 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 wacky. Uh, so. We'll do, do a minute that about out. that.
0: Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> uh, so now in the creator commentary, Steve Lisberger says that, like I said before, this ring game was inspired by a cross of Pong and High Lai. And so, if you want to, did you take a little uh, look into High I, you know, the sport of the future. The sport of the future, future, the future, The sport
1: future. of the future, future, future. Yeah, uh, if you know, if you've done your reading about High uh that was a thing for. You know, it had its fifteen minutes in the seventies. Uh I believe ABC Sports was involved in it at, at some point. Okay. Uh Rune Arledge and, and Wilder Old Sports. Uh High Lie was uh Madison Avenue caught High Lie and it's like, Yeah, this could be big. Yeah. Uh this could be a thing. And you know, it is there is a danger to it because that ball is moving so fast. So there real was, fast. Yeah. 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 As a kid, I remember I think it was even Howard Cosell you know covering oh, okay. a, a High game, and you know this this could kill you this is one of the most dangerous sports in the world, sure, yeah, and uh
0: take that angle on it for sure
1: yeah so i I wonder if if there are any high leagues anymore there was the,
0: one there are, yeah, there are, but the the thing like When I first saw the movie, I didn't realize that these, I thought the scoops on their arms were just completely fictional. Like I thought Ah. they were just just original for the movie. Like I was like, this is wildly innovative. This is wildly original. But then years later during the opening credits of Miami Vice, like two or three years later. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, wait, that there's a, there's a guy there with one of those weird scoops. (laughs) on his arms and i was like that looks like an actual sport that doesn't look like something fake they just made up for tron and yeah uh, just you know tron mania hit miami really hard and so (laughs) overnight
1: you had these uh you had these hyperball see i i I, i'm stuck on hyperball i know it's also the ring game but yeah uh, yeah, they it's it's uh fanatical fandom in miami
0: I think that's literally what I thought at first. The first time I saw that episode of Miami Vice, I was like, "Wow, Miami loves Tron. Did they go whole hog and, <laughs> and make like a Tron game that they play down there?" You know. And then I was like, "Oh, wait a second. No, that, that can't be. That can't be it." And then I started reading a little bit about uh, about Highline, and there was yeah, there was a Miami Vice episode devoted to uh, to Highline. It was yeah, called I, I'm- Kill Shot.
1: Oh wow, yeah, I'm guessing by then you know the Higheye was on its its last legs or last scoop, whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah
0: its last scoop that's like they were but... trying they were trying well because it it was huge in the fifties, like it started uh like it was the first the first the courts are called what are they called ponto Pontons no where is it well, it's fronton that's called fronton the the arenas are called frontons or frontons. And, uh, the first one was built in 1924 in Florida, but in the fifties, it was massive. You'd have crowds of like 10,000, 15,000 people watching highlight games. And it was like the Rat Pack, you know, the Rat Pack was big and it was just, yeah. a night. it was a night out in Miami. Cause it's a very, it's a, it's a South American, uh, sport, you know, that was kind right. of brought up. And in the beginning you'd play it against like the wall of a church you know you just like it's like handball you just throw it because it was the biggest wall in town and all the small towns so it was kind of like a relative of uh soccer or football in the same way that like you don't need much to play it you just need a big wall and you need a ball to throw against it and you know the rules kind of differed from town to town but that was the that was the the major thrust of it was just throw the ball against it and then the other person has to catch it and then yeah. Or hit it, and you just keep going. And there's, you know, different point systems and stuff like that. But yeah, in the back in the day in the '50s, it was massive. And then yeah, like you said, there was that tipping point where it was, you know, early '80s. Like, all right, here we go. It's been yeah. a Miami. It's been a Miami thing, and now it's going to be a worldwide thing. Let's do it. And yeah. uh, and then it just it all fell apart in part because uh, gambling really got into life. And they used to they, to the point where they were building casinos around highlight courts. So the highlight court would just be like a small part of the casino and people would bet on the games. And it wasn't like it wasn't like High Life for High Lie's sake anymore. It was almost just like horse racing or something like that. I and got it's, you. Okay. And then with, so like when it's the tainted when they, Yeah, it's tainted. And when the gambling got into it, so did organized crime. And what was one of the guys that ran it the world highlight yeah roger wheeler in 1981 he got assassinated and he was the then owner of world highlight and his assassination was tied to whitey bulger and the winter Hill gang and uh all that kind of stuff so yeah, it was I,
1: yeah this yeah that story's familiar with with wheeler and yeah whitey bulger i mean man i mean there's a there's a great screenplay there
0: yeah, You right. know about early 80s organized crime highlight highlight Yeah. the dangerous world of highlight high in 1982, yeah. you know. Yeah.
1: Did you did you ever uh were you a Mad Men fan?
0: Yeah, I was. I was. I thought it kind of lost its way a little bit in the later seasons, but it was mostly a very very strong show. And those some of the first two or three seasons is some of the best television I've ever seen, I think.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in the in those early seasons they had uh a High Lie episode, or at least they, yeah, they the highlight is featured in an episode. Oh yeah, 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 and it's just yeah, it's ex- I mean, as you're saying, you know, the excitement, the crowds, it's you it's easy to imagine a guy visiting from New York in Miami and seeing this happen, and uh, you know, advertising guys and TV guys and saying, yeah, we got to
0: do this. this yeah, we could blow up, and you know, this is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's all just as a reference. It's also in a time when. Uh basketball is nothing uh, compared to now. It's a it's sort of a infant. It's in its infancy as uh, yeah sports entertainment. Yeah, and it's,
0: f- it's popular, but it's nothing like it is now. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's a, same thing. Football was was definitely growing, but I think yeah, I think um I think I've heard people say you know pick you know highlight could be an indoor football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a, a strength of High is that you can play it inside. Doing research for this, I realized I didn't know too much about High and I didn't realize that the courts were just kind of uh, long rectangular yeah. handball courts. They're just like yeah. with really, really high ceilings cause you those yeah. balls go at like two hundred miles an hour. Yeah.
1: But that's the thing. I mean, today it's like, you know, almost no one knows anything about High I mean, I imagine like yeah as as you mentioned, you know, probably you could see an outstanding game maybe in Rio. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, something like Sao that. Or Sao Paulo, but um, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look up if there's any American highlight leagues and you know what well, the, what still, the current yeah, state of highlight they're is. They're still
0: going, and they're still going in Miami. And there's a there's a there's a small YouTube clip that I'll link to that has a guy talking about it, like the the current a current team member, team team captain. And you know, on a good day, they get hundred or two hundred people in the stands. Kind of. Thing. Oh,
1: that's cool. I'm glad you it's know. still going on. So it's but still I think what's happened. yeah. What's missing is uh, players should be disintegrated.
0: That's what's missing, obviously, right? Highlight Disintegration, to the, highlight to the death. You know, that's what yeah, we need. Yeah, deep Some good derezzing. That's what we need. Yeah,
1: a, a particularly colorful, uh, <laughs> um, death involving involving uh, you know special effects, a a special big, effects yeah, death,
0: a digital fireworks show on every uh, on every on absolutely, every death. absolutely, and uh
1: you know, I, I can't. I, we, maybe we covered this in the last episode, but I got to say, you know, just once again. I mean, this this movie, it, this this minute in particular, highlights just how pretty this movie is. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. The neon glow of everything, the uh, the flare of the ball, and yeah, it, it makes yeah, it makes if you me. If wanted a little to the, like,
0: if you wanted to show, you know, if somebody's like, what is Tron? I think a lot of people would opt for showing the light bike race sure but i think you could also just show them this sequence
1: yeah yeah i it's you know a, as you said i mean there there are other scenes you know we can point out but this one i you know definitely has all those elements um yeah and you know there's there's this the tension of again you've got one guy who's playing uh it's a fight to the death. The other guy,
0: he's kind of goofing around. Yeah, and He kind of doesn't get well, he the doesn't, stakes. He doesn't get the stakes right up until the next minute. Like even now, he's like, okay, okay, yeah. One yeah. of us is going to be disqualified. I get it now. Like I don't think he's still actually getting that loss means death. I don't think he's yeah. Quite. He's I don't think he's quite there yet. Because that like so Flynn serves up a pretty decent fake out backswing. Um, which Crom, to his credit, actually catches before firing it back right away. Uh-huh. Uh Flynn misses this shot, and it takes out two of his rings after hitting right on the border between the third and fourth ring. And then Crom uh, gets another pellet, and uh, Flynn hops to the center ring, and Crom unleashes a wicked backhand spin throw, and Fla- Flynn catches it, and that's where he says, that was a very fancy shot. Yeah and uh crom laughs and the tension in this scene is so great because they're like quipping and laughing but they are they are hyped they are jacked yeah. they are. this is uh, this is gladiatorial combat and then flynn says okay here's an easy one and uh and i just i just love this scene because both the actors are just when you remember that they're just in a dark black room wearing frankly ridiculous costumes right and they're just pretending, and they're both they're both just selling it. It's like dueling banjos, right? Like back and forth. <laughs> Peter yeah. Jurassic and Jeff Bridges just selling the heck out of this scene, right? It's so good. Do do you know if uh
1: they there was any rehearsal, there was if, if they actually did do any volleys back and forth, or is it just completely uh the illusion of that and editing?
0: No, I don't know. Uh, I think the like the ball was definitely added in post, but I right. imagine that they must have done some... Because I know they, that they brought in Sam Schatz, like the world Frisbee champion, to right teach, teach them all how to use the identity discs during the disc fights. But I don't know if they had a... They, they must have had a highlight player in there to show them how to do it. Because it's hard to sort of... Mime that stuff with no weight in your scoop, yeah. right? Like if you want to throw the ball, if you pretend to throw the ball, then it's not gonna quite look the same. But I also can't see them hucking balls around in a set where <laughs> there's really expensive lighting and uh, yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, around, so. I,
1: yeah. I'm trying to imagine a wide shot where maybe they're they're throwing it at each other, but you know, so many of the shots are, um, you know, medium shot. Flynn winds up releases uh medium shot high angle crom catches you know it's and it's 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 more likely that it was just some good editing and some good acting yeah but, for sure uh you know you do kind of you know you you do kind of wonder or at least you'd like to think that maybe these two got into it
0: yeah uh, i would hope so i would hope so
1: i i'm gonna i'm gonna go completely tangential mm-hmm. uh uh, a movie fantasy of mine, uh, you know, I, I love From Russia With Love. Okay. And the fight scene between Robert Shaw and Sean Connery, two incredibly badass actors. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's one of the great movie fight scenes. And, you know, and again, these two actors, I I, I have often just fantasized that, you know, and Connery go up to each other and say, all right, Let's let's make let's actually punch each other. Let's yeah, just, you know. Let's actually just you know no holds barred. With and those Nobody two, cries right? to the director. Yeah, uh, you know. Are you do you want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. This you know because you know those two the tension between those two, leading up to that fight scene, and it's just a reminder that, you know, the camaraderie of actors, the yeah. uh, and the the rivalry that um, I mean I did read about Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Their fight scene in True Detective. They yeah. said, "You know, there's only one way to do this." And you know, in the parking let's... lot there,
0: that that parking lot fight.
1: Yeah, the parking lot fight. There yeah. was, yeah. I mean, there there was stunts, and but there was also like, "Hey, let's let's hit each other uh, to make it real." It's like, yeah, let's let's do that. And yeah. there was a, yeah, and they shook hands and they. Uh again, I'm going to completely tangential. One thing I read about was because they knew it was gonna be physical and they were gonna you know, they weren't trying to hurt each other, but they knew they were gonna hurt each other. Yeah. That I think Harrelson just as a as a like as a as a way to cut the tension before, like, you know, he he uh he sets it up so there's like waltz music playing oh. on set. So okay. that he and he and McConaughey go out and dance together, okay, in the parking lot. So everybody has a huge laugh, and it's you know it's that way of saying okay, it's going to get intense, yeah, yeah, and it's not going to be pretty, but let's all have a laugh uh, to start it off with, and we can be in a good place. So, Absolutely, and this yeah. is
0: clearly we love each other, clearly yeah. we have respect for each other, clearly this yeah. is a lark. Okay, now but, it's gonna get pretty real. But yeah, just keep but that. That was in a,
1: mind. that was a huge tangent, but I, I can only hope that Jurassic and Bridges uh hurled that ball at each other at full speed. <laughs> Man, but, I love working with you, but I'm gonna try and take your head off. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I, I wanna I w I don't wanna hurt you, but I wanna
0: hurt you. Like uh what's his face? Like Morpheus and uh, Neo. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. <laughs> yeah. Know, let's yeah, do yeah, this. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Flynn does, Probably uh, another
1: movie, yeah, where there was some actual full contact and Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. Well they both, yeah, Keanu Reeves and uh Lawrence uh, Fishburne. F- Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. Not Larry. Lawrence. 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 They uh they got some intensity, so I'm sure they, they had some some hits with each other. But then okay, but back to the minute at hand. Uh, yes! Flynn, Flynn does a, a little double hop spin over his missing rings and grunts with effort as he fires a rocket up to the bouncing board. And Crom jumps to catch it and misses as it derezzes his fifth ring with a wonderful sound effect, like thick glass being flicked with a spoon or something like that. And uh, he accidentally falls into the gap in his previously derezzed third ring and just manages to catch the edge of the second ring and hang on, but his legs are dangling into space. One of his arms is a giant scoop, and the playing platform is as smooth as glass, and he struggles not to slip down into the bottomless pit, but it's a losing battle. Inch by inch, he's going down, and Flynn gets another pellet, and the Wendy Carlos tension music comes up as Crom dangles, kicking his legs and panicking as he slips further back, and Flynn looks to the ceiling... Like he doesn't know what's supposed to happen next. He looks to the ceiling, like so. I guess I won. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, So what's it's, it, what it, happens yeah, now? It's a great you wall, know? Look, yeah,
1: good place to freeze. <laughs> yeah, good and, place. Uh, for yeah, the... yeah. Sometimes and a movie. You know, so, yeah.
0: So sorry. Sometimes a, moody, a minute ends on a really good, perfect note, and this is one of those minutes where it just ends on uh, on that great look that that uh, Flynn gives, that Jeff Bridges gives to the ceiling.
1: Yeah, it's it's a bit of a Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo look.
0: Oh. Yeah. Oh, but that's
1: just it's just it's where we cut it. It's just that's where it ended just, yeah. you know. Uh, that that image of Jeff Bridges will be frozen in my mind forever.
0: <laughs> now, the differences between the screenplay and the novel are, are minimal. There's not really too much uh differences in this the meat of this fight that plays out pretty much the same. So, if that takes us to the end of the minute then um, yeah. tell us where can people find you if they want to hear more of you or you want to drop well you some know more I
1: uh, yeah name dropping I love to name drop well you know as I mentioned in our last episode uh, you can find me on uh, my podcast uh, I've uh, done movie by minute podcasting with my uh, friend and partner Josh Horowitz but we we're different we do five minutes at a time as a weekly Uh, edited sort of a thing we've done five minutes of trouble about the adventures of uh, jack burton in big trouble in little china and then five minutes of bonsai about the adventures of buckaroo bonsai Uh, and we speculated that those two probably knew each other i think both those movies exist in the same universe that's Uh, right that's right i'm also going to give a shout out to a podcast i'm not directly involved in, but this is my wife, Audra Wolfman. She does an excellent oh. movie podcast called Speak Easily Versus the 80s, where okay. uh, she and her castmates uh, dissect uh, a different B-movie from the 80s. Uh, a little more on the exploitative side. They've done Hard Bodies, great teen comedy. Oh, yeah. Uh, they recently did Cherry Two Thousand. Cherry
0: Two Thousand.
1: Cherry 2000. Nelly,
0: Um, that is a hard movie to watch.
1: (laughs) As we found out, as we found out, uh, yeah, a movie with a lot of ideas, but none of them are connected to each other. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's a movie, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, happy accidents and, uh, you know, but, you know, there, you know, there's good solid scripts and there's really solid pre-production meetings and that movie has a lot of neat ideas but nothing's it sure does. they just say yeah. let's let's have a, a 1965 ford mustang dangling over a chasm cool yeah but what yeah but like why is it dangling there other than the fact that, oh yeah bad guys are having it dangled
0: wow
1: huh yeah so uh they just did cherry 2000 they've done other movies oh you like, know what
0: oh yeah I am wrong. I was thinking of a different movie. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I just looked it up, and uh, yeah, that's Melanie Griffith, right? No, Melanie Griffith. And, yeah, I uh, was thinking of a of a whole different a whole different movie. Gosh, that's okay, movie but, yeah. You, they, but some, you know, a, t- a similar title.
1: But yeah, it's, it's it's definitely worth checking out. And in fact, you can listen to. Uh, Audra Wolfman and her uh, and her co-hosts talk about Cherry 2000 on Speak Easily versus
0: the 80s. Awesome. <laughs> that sounds really good. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out TronologicallySpeaking.com or drop us a line on Twitter at TronologicallySpeaking. Or email, TronologicallySpeaking at gmail.com. I love to read emails. And uh, join us on Facebook at the chronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. And thanks to Pond5 for the music. And go to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. If it isn't, consider doing one yourself. And a special shout-out to the Star Wars Minute, because they started it all. And they said, come on in, everybody. It's fun to do. You know, be one with us. And so they, they, they really kicked off a movement here.
1: Every day I thank them and curse them. <laughs> nah great
0: guys great guys do you want to do a little end of line on three ready alright one two three end End of of line of line (laughs) there we go perfect awesome print it